This is the final boarding call for passengers traveling on flight, all packed, to Las Palmas, Gran Canaria. Please report to your gate immediately. What's up, Puerto Rico and everyone else back home? I'm Robbie McMillan. And I'm Leo Baradine. And you are listening to All Packed. Are you ready to go? So, good afternoon and welcome to All Packed. It's me, Robbie. And this week I am flying solo, the big man, uh, the jefe. He is off to... Um, England for his uh, little summer, end of summer, should I say, uh, holiday with his friends and family. He's um, off the mine head in Portland's um, via Manchester and a couple of other places. So um, next week we'll be checking in with him and seeing what's going on with him. As I said, it's episode 16 and we are joined by one of the producers, Claire, of the podcast. As everybody does know, it is um, recovery month. And um, we're getting a couple of people on this month um, just to tell us their stories, um, how they got off uh, the drink train um, and the drugs train and tell us about how great their lives are now and how everything works out in the end. Um, and it is our one and only Claire, um, producer Claire. Um, how are we getting on this morning? <laughs> Hi, all packed. Uh, yeah, good. Just a bit nervous. Uh, of course, you're. I'm in the background doing the socials. This isn't really my my thing, um, especially not actually speaking on here. No. But, uh, Have you many shares before? I've done a few shares. It's been a while. Um, I've been in and out of recovery for. Say about six or seven years, maybe longer. Um, was definitely an addiction a lot longer than that. But yeah, my story kind of starts with, you know, normally when I listen to people's stories, it's, you know, they've had a really bad childhood and, you know, they've been through a lot of trauma as a child and that sort of triggered them. But my childhood wasn't really like that. Um, I had quite a good childhood. Um you know, it was a nice, happy family. Um, I've got two older brothers and one younger brother. And yeah, we did. We had quite a nice life. We were always on family holidays and everything was good until I was about 11 and my dad went off with another woman, which resulted in my mum turning to drink. So as a young, well, still quite young, really, at 11, I dealt with my mum's addiction first and that was quite traumatic um without going into too much detail I really didn't think it would ever happen to me um you know I was quite sensible really when it came to drinking I was always quite you know I was a bit of a party pooper I kind of stopped before it went too far and I just never imagined that out of us all it'd be me that I'd end up in addiction um and it started at work I pulled my neck at work I had a trapped nerve in my neck and was given cocodamol from the doctors and yeah the day I took them you know everything was like wow I'd always suffered with anxiety and depression really and 
I took these tablets and they got rid of it. You know, I was going around telling everybody, like, I found a cure for anxiety. Just take two of these cocodamol and your day will be, you know, anxiety free. And I didn't really think I was doing anything wrong. I'd never really heard of them before. I knew what they were. And before I knew it, the two didn't work anymore. And I was taking the full dose of eight, I think it is, each day. Um, and then that progressed into more and more. Um, you know, I was stealing them off people. I was going to the doctors, lying, going to different walking centres, trying to get them. Um, but I was still so in denial that I was an addict. You know, I, I just kind of thought, no, I'm choosing to do this because it makes me feel better and I'm not harming anyone. For those that don't know at home, what do Cocodamol do? They basically, they're a pain relief. They're a strong pain relief, um, which it's an opiate. So it's technically like heroin. And I always remember actually going on to Art to Frank and it said they give you a feeling of, um, what was it now? A feeling of well-being. And that is all I can describe it as feeling calm. And that's yeah. what I did for me in the beginning anyway. Eventually that stopped and I had to take more to get that same feeling. Um, and I, I remember someone saying to me one day, you know that these are, an opiate, just like heroin is, you know, you're not any different. And I was like, what? It's a painkiller, you know, it's it's from a doctor. It's nothing like that. It's not illegal. I mean, they should be made illegal. And then it progressed by then. I was sort of, I was going out at the weekend and again, didn't really drink much, but then I found cocaine and that was like my party drug. You know, I didn't like being drunk. I didn't like being around other people drunk. But when I'd had a line, you know, I, I was the life and soul of the party and I really was, um, or so I thought I was. Um, and then I kind of lived for the weekends. So, you know, as the week went on, I was counting down the time for the weekend to start or when it was, you know, Thursday. And I think, yeah, it's acceptable to have some coke on a Thursday but not when you sat at home on your own, not going anywhere, it's not. And before I knew it, it just progressed and progressed and I was hooked. So I'd take the cocaine to bring me back up from the codeine and then the codeine would bring me back down from the cocaine. And, you know, my mood was just up and down all the time. My body must have just been like, what is going on? Up with me yeah at all um and I really really struggled to accept that I had a problem and I also struggled to get clean um I started going to meetings to NA um narcotics anonymous for those that don't know and I used to sit in the room and I'd think oh my god look at all these people like they're all fucked yeah 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 like, they've been on like crack cocaine and heroin for 40 years like I'm only what in my 20s and you know I really like looked at the differences with them rather than the similarities which is what people look for now um and then I wondered why I couldn't get what they were all getting I just could not get it I'd get a couple of days clean and then I'd go back again um it was horrendous and one day my family sat me down and they said you know you you are poorly you need you need help um and I went into a private hospital called the Priory and it cost a lot of a hell of a lot of money to put me in there down in London uh, Manchester this one was and 
yeah, I wasn't ready. I was when I look back now, I wasn't ready to stop at that point. You know, I'd not I'd not really hit my rock bottom. I thought I had, but I hadn't. Um and I was on a prescription by that point to get me off the Cody and they'd put me on a substitute called Subutex, which is basically what they give to heroin addicts to come off heroin. It's the same thing. Um so they managed to get me off it in a week and I was so ill, so ill. And I remember just thinking, never again will I touch them. Like, that is me done. You know, the pain and torment I went through, like, it was torture. With the withdrawals, I was so ill. And I got out and within a few weeks I was doing it again. Um, that went on again for a couple more years. By this point, I was sniffing two grams of cocaine a day I was stealing money from family I was doing a lot of shameful things that I would never have ever done to anyone but in your mind you're probably yeah. thinking you're all, you're all right like it because you yeah. you're like looking at the glass you know from from the inside not from the outside and you just think that it's you're all right yeah 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 you think it's all under control you know and you're fooling everyone you know, yeah, yeah. No, no one knows, and they did know. They did know. At home at this point, I was still living with my mum at home. Yeah, um, yeah. and we'd been on a, you know, we'd been to Puerto Rico on a, a few holidays at, at that point. Um, and previously, I'd always been drinking, and I always remember coming over this once. And you know, I was probably in the depths of my addiction by then because um, I remember taking. A massive prescription over with me. I got my friend to take a prescription with her, you know, and I had all of these tablets. And the first time I admitted to anybody was actually in Puerto Rico. I was talking to this guy and he ended up telling me he was addicted to codeine. And I was like, no way. So, like, so am I. Like, wow, that, like, I couldn't believe it. And it was the first time I'd ever said it out loud. And yeah, on this particular holiday, um, I managed to track down a drug dealer like you do. You're kind of looking out for it, aren't you? And if you want it, you'll find it. Um, and you know what? Even to this day, I had the best holiday I think I've ever had in my life. It, it, you know, we had an absolute ball. It was, it was just brilliant. And I kind of look back now, and I think I wouldn't change that. You know, like no. we had a really good time. Um, it's just that I know now that I can't do that. I can't do that anymore. You know, I can't just go out and do it as a one-off. And as oh. much as I'd love to be able to have a blowout, you know, every now and again, I can't do that. I'm not like other people. Um, I take it too far. Before you know it, I'm back on You're my back own, locked in a bedroom, in psychosis, just absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... I've been on holiday since getting clean and, you know, my life's so much different today. It's not like it was back then. I'm not, you know, every morning I'd wake up and think, right, where am I going to get the money from? How am I going to get it? Like, who do I owe money to? Everything revolved around this pattern that I was in. And I eventually went into another rehab. Um, it was an NHS one that I'd found myself after basically just I was ready to die like I was either gonna kill myself from all the using or I was literally gonna commit suicide because I couldn't carry on 
Um, I knew I was hurting everybody around me and I just could not stop. So I went into this rehab and yeah, it saved my life. It was an amazing place, amazing. I went there and, you know, I carried on going to meetings. I've worked the 12 steps, um, you know, and it changed a lot as a person. I always say everybody should have a 12-step program in their life, not just adults because, you know, it wasn't just about my addiction. It changed everything about me as a person, you know, my values, the way I look at things. I was brought up a Catholic and I never, you know, really followed God and, to be honest, I still do struggle with God now, but I kind of look at it as a spiritual type program. Of, yeah, the same boat. I'm exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard when, and they do say it's not religious, but it can feel quite religious. A lot of people do have a religious God. Personally, I don't. Not that that's anything against anyone that does. Oh. And yeah, I basically have a new way that I live my life now. Um, I wake up in the morning, I start my day off with a prayer um you know and I've got a little girl in my life now my daughter she's she's my savior really um I'm gonna get upset now saying that (laughs) I said I wasn't gonna cry um yeah she saved me really in a lot of ways she really did um she's three all right yeah she's three yeah things come into your life for a for a reason and you know you've you've Life and then you're you're in the best place you could be now, mm. given advice, the best guidance that you can do as a mother, you know, because if if you are, God forbid, to have your still addiction, you know, it like that's I always look back at my little kids now, like I in my prime when I was, you know, absolutely off the rails. I remember like kicking down doors in the gaff and fucking, you know, running amok. And you know, these things are still, you know, emplaced in their brains. Although they were quite young when all of this did happen, you know what I mean. Um, you can still see the little boy now. He'll cling to me on a like we went to a wedding last week. He'll cling to me for a whole night, you know what I mean. And maybe even subconsciously, you know, if I am having an alcohol free beer, you know, he will have a little bit of a check because he probably knows that he doesn't want, you know. Or he'll say to me, "Say the alcohol free." He knows now how how I work anyway. So, you know, you're gonna be a, a role model to your little girl and you're not going to be you know um someone that's hiding shit from her and you know it, oh. I, that's what I do have is you know hopefully not instilling in in my kids that you know you're not allowed to drink or you know bad things are going to happen when you drink because you, you don't want them to go down the same road as I did or them to think that they've got a problem you know so it's hard it's hard being a parent I worry about that I mean Scarlett's dad's also an alcoholic and addict so I worry I think oh she's got you know the double whammy you know is it going to happen to her and like you say I also don't want her to be scared of that stuff I don't want her to think you know like you say that alcohol is poison or Uh, you know it's I mean right now she doesn't know about my addiction but one day you know I, I will tell her um I'm grateful that she's never, never seen me use a drug. Yeah. She's never been through that. And I kind of hope and pray that that will be the way her life will be, that she never does have to. Um, But without working them 12 steps in my life each day, you know, I never know what is around the corner. Um, 
stopping using was quite easy. It's the staying stopped is what I've always struggled with. Um, but things are different today. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to coming back to Puerto Rico. I've been so many times over the years. Um, I, I love it there. Absolutely love it. And I'm quite looking forward to coming back there and being clean, you know, not chasing drugs, being able to enjoy a holiday without a substance. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you'll have a ball. Yeah. We'll, we'll make ball because I remember, like, I've been speaking to another one of my pals now who's who's recently just got sober. And, like, when you get sober or you're thinking about getting sober, the thought of life after sobriety seem so dull and boring like you're like oh my god what the fuck am I gonna do on a night out like because it's the one thing that you really enjoy you know doing is is going out and fucking having a party and and being involved in all of it but it just takes a little while for your brain to work and go okay you can still be present you can still have fun but you just don't need to you know get off your trolley like and you, you might be a little bit more boring than you used to be the mad Claire who was you know doing handstands out in the fucking uh-huh. out in the garden you know you, people soonly forget and there'll be somebody else doing the, the handstands for you and you can just sit there and relax and, and enjoy the night and just know when to say yeah I've had enough I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go. off now and yeah it's 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 the balance of life and like I'd look at you now and think well you've got the answer to life you know you have that little answer where you know you know, you you know, you're not gonna wake up in the morning with no regret or no, oh my god, what did I do last night? Or you know, I don't have any of them. The arguments, the the betrayal, and all, all of that is out of your life, and and you're now a better person, and your um your little girl will be uh, the same. Oh, yeah, I hope so. I do hope so. If anything, I think you enjoy it more when you're clean. I, I feel like you know, I've been on nights out clean, and I enjoy myself more. I have more yeah. fun, you know. I, I always remember going to like an NA rave once and I, I was kind of early days clean. And I remember looking around this room and there wasn't one person sat down not dancing. Everyone yeah, yeah. was up dancing and they'd not had a drink or a drug. And I remember thinking, wow, that is amazing. How, how's your dance moves now? You're a little bit over. Yeah, I reckon I was a bit better when I was using it. Yeah, I mean, what you want to do now, man? I'm like, well, what am I doing here? Oh, all right, you, now you look like a bit of a dad dancing. Like we're at that webinar. Yeah, so much thought goes into it. It's a big thing at home now. Like in England and Ireland, is the sober events. Like, um, I've got a very good pal of mine who's actually going to come onto the podcast soon, and um, Paul Bourne, and he runs. Um, one of the biggest sober events in England he does it with a fella called Brandon Block a DJ and um, yeah they go around they do like they run a, a weekly one in the Ministry of Sound but um, it's huge at home yeah a lot of people now are sober and clean you know you look around and a lot of people are drinking non-alcoholic beers there's so many different non-alcoholic beers and drinks now you can get I'm sure I saw non-alcoholic gin a few weeks yeah. ago Need to get them all over to Puerto Rico because um we we've got Heineken and that's about it man. We were in Amsterdam and they had a uh, zero zero Coronita or Corona, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it was very tasty. Quite happy with a couple of them and then uh you know have a bit of a boogie and, and life is good. Do you feel better now? You feel less nervous? Yeah, I'm not as nervous now. 
how I think, how I'm overthinking it. <laughs> oh, your, your mind's a strong thing and your life is a hell of a lot better now. And then before you know it, we'll have the two producers um, doing the conga and picking the lease. You will. You definitely will. Apart from one of us won't be sober. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, Rach doesn't drink much anymore. She actually doesn't. She she knocked a few back in the holiday there a couple of weeks ago. But here, listen, she's got a clear mind, man. We don't. <laughs> she can do that if she wants to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've been able to knob in and out and do whatever you want. <laughs> Claire, it's been great. That's been episode 16. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you can take a little bit from it yourselves. And uh, as I said, it is recovering every month. If anybody wants to drop us a little email um, or a uh, a message on our um, social media. Um, if you're going through and we'll have a chat with anybody, um, you know, it can stay anonymous. It's all good. Um, we're just out here trying to make a little bit of a difference and give people a little bit of strength and hope. We're going to be back next week. We're going to have one guest on, but we will be chatting to the Leo fella who will be um, gallivanting in mine, head in Butlins. Um, enjoying a little bit of a break he took a break while it's the busiest week of the year i mean last night was unbelievable it was so busy we didn't get out there until about four o'clock in the morning smash glass everywhere and um big thank you i know there's a lot of people listening in the bar at the minute as well so i want to say a big shout especially to ian nick and and alison there you go you got a shout out um They've been in all week and they've got one more week of the holiday. So um, they're going to be ringing in this week with some questions for next week. But Claire, muchas gracias. Thank enjoyed you for um, having Great. me. I've enjoyed listening to your story. Made a little connection with you. are a legend. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Robbie. Right. Have a good one. Thanks very much. Yeah. And we will see you all next week. With, uh, the big man will be back. Thanks for travelling aboard flight all packed. We hope to see you again soon.